You're listening to the Canadian Canacross Sports Podcast with host Sean Sobon. Join me as I explore the sport of Canacross across Ontario and North America. Now, let's haul some tail. Welcome to the Canadian Canacross Sports Podcast. Sean Sobon with you here. I hope everybody and their dog is doing well. It is the end of February. It's actually the 20th to be more specific. And we had a glorious day today. The sun was shining. The freshly fallen snow from a few days ago is rapidly melting. My dogs and children went out for a hike with me today in the field uh, behind our town. And we had we had a great hike. We are out there for about an hour. Covered just about three kilometers. The dogs got a little bit of off-leash time. And then uh, the kids were very willing and eager to hold the leashes of the dogs, which is something we don't normally let them do because, you know, small kids, strong dogs equals falls. And that's exactly what happened with my daughter. She was uh, holding her own with Piper, who's the gentler of my two dogs. And um, at one point, there was some slack in the line. And then Piper decided she wanted to pick up the pace and Oh, uh, my daughter goes flying across the snow. She landed in the snow. She was fine. We were all laughing about it. And the best part is I caught it on camera. So we had a good laugh watching it after we got home. But it was a beautiful day for hike. And believe it or not, we actually came across some sort of bush. I'm not sure what it was, but it had buds. And I'm not talking like little buds, like green buds growing out of it. Noticed a lot of birds singing. So there's definitely signs of spring coming very fast at us, apparently. It's been a it's been an odd winter, if you will. We had snow, we had sun, the snow melted, came back, and, and what have you. And man, I really feel bad for the snowmobilers in our area. They just finished redoing all of their grooming for their trails, and they probably had three or four days before it started melting again. So I think that's why I like Canacross. You can kind of do it in all sorts of weather. And uh, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. I have an article from vcacanada.com, and we're going to get into that shortly. Uh, just about running with your pet, and they have some tips and tricks. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to discuss was really the lack of evidence-based research regarding canacross and running with dogs. There, there are articles out there, but there's really not a lot. And one that surprised me this evening while I was coming across um, some articles to, to talk about with you here today uh, was an article on, um, I just have the abstract here, but it's a, the systemic review of the biomechanical effects of harness and head collar use in dogs. So I'm not really concerned about the head collar use in dogs, but it was about the harness use in dogs. And um, it was actually kind of alarming because we always talk about canacross harnesses and how they are non-restrictive and allow the dog to run freely. And unless your dog is actually running without anything on it, there is going to be some restriction involved, I guess, um, which is part and parcel to the sport of canacross. But, you know, again, I'm not really sure how to take this one because it's um, it's very limited and I think we need more research on this stuff. So. Um, the article here, I don't, I'm trying to find the year. It doesn't say what year we, we did it. Well, I guess it would be 2018 because that's when they did the, uh, 
the searches for the databases that they were looking for information. So I'll put a link to this uh, article. It's really just the abstract. I guess you have to, it's behind a paywall. Oh, here we go. It's posted September 2019. Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory. So effectively, um, they did searches that went back to 1910 all the way up to 2018 on PubMed, Web of Science, and Riddle Discovery. They found three publications that were suitable, and then they critically evaluated them using predefined criteria and ARRIVE-based guidelines for bias assessment. And only one of the three articles was considered to provide the most reliable data regarding the influence of harnesses on gait, while the remainder were considered to suffer a variety of issues, including poor sample size, repeatability, and study execution. So out of the three studies, they only really found one that was of some value. And what they found, and this is this might blow your mind, it kind of blew my mind. The most appropriate study um, found that wearing a chest strap harness, so these are the harnesses I'm assuming that would be designed to prevent the dog from pulling. Uh, the chest strap harness reduced shoulder extension in both walk and trot by up to eight degrees of movement. Okay, so you're getting eight degrees of restriction. Um, in the shoulder extension of dogs that are walking with a chest strap harness. And, you know, we really want to have harnesses that are going to um, allow for the most um, mobility in our dogs, right? The largest range of motion that we can give them. So, okay, get ready for this. They found that a Y-shaped harness, commonly marketed as non-restrictive, uh, reduced the shoulder extension by up to 10 degrees of movement. So you have a chest strap harness that gives you 8 degrees of restriction, and then we have our Y-shaped harnesses typically used for canicross. That's what I'm using on my dogs. And that reduces shoulder extension by up to 10% of movement. It suggests that the use of harness-type restraints can affect canine gait. So what are we doing? <laughs> that, that's the thing, right? This is this is one study, and I'm only looking at the abstract. I don't even know um, what study they're referring to. Uh, I guess I could find their references if I really dug a little bit deeper, and I probably will. Um, I have access through my through my schooling on this article, so we will try to find the whole study, and I'll get back to you on that. But it's it's kind of concerning that harnesses that we think we're using that uh, you know allow our dogs to move freely actually might restrict them more so than another type of harness that's not necessarily designed for can across. So I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into this and um, I'm going to report back because it's something that's really interesting. And if you if you have any leads on any research regarding this, please let me know. Um, you know, as a community, I think all ships rise with the tide, as my good friend Jeff Smith once said. Let's work together and find this out. But um yeah, we'll move on and um, we'll come back to this later on in another episode. But I, I just found it and kind of blew my mind. So a little preoccupied with that thought. But the VCA um, Animal Hospitals Canada has a great article here written by Malcolm Weir, who's a DVM, and Lynn Buzzhart. And the article is entitled Running With Your Dog. And we're going to go through the article and I think they've got some good advice here. Some people need motivation to exercise. So they team up with friends who urge them to drop the remote control and go for a run. Unfortunately, the friend is not always available, so the TV gets turned back on. If you need a dependable exercise partner, take a look at your best friend, your dog. And as you're listening to me 
Babylon or read this article, your dog's probably with you somewhere, whether you're driving, maybe they're in the car with you, maybe you're out on a walk with them right now. Um, dogs are great exercise partners. They're always available, they have energy to burn, and they're not in a bad mood from a stressful day at work. Plus, about 50% of American dogs are overweight and need to work off a few calories. So get off the couch and run with your dog. Would my dog make an appropriate running buddy? Dogs need daily exercise to stay healthy, but inappropriate workouts can do more harm than good. Before running with your dog, assess their physical attributes. Is he physically fit? Would my dog make an appropriate running buddy? Dogs need daily exercise to stay healthy, but inappropriate workouts can do more harm than good. Before jogging with your dog, assess his physical attributes. Is he physically fit? Does he have long enough legs to keep pace with you? Does he have a long nose that facilitates good respiration, or a short nose that may cause difficulty breathing? Here you want to think Collie versus Pug. Use common sense to determine if your dog will be a good running partner. Next, consider your dog's age. Young pups have developing joints that can sustain injury when overworked. So, it's best to wait until growth plates have started to close before embarking on a strenuous exercise program. Strenuous. Dogs reach skeletal maturity between 7 and 20 months, with small breeds maturing faster than giant breeds. On the other end of the spectrum, older dogs have joint problems like arthritis that may make running painful. Regardless of age, have your dog examined by a vet who can outline a safe exercise routine. So a little bit of commentary here. I said this word twice, strenuous exercise program. So it's best to wait until growth plates have started to close before embarking on a strenuous exercise program. Does this mean we can't exercise our puppies or give them some sort of structure in their daily lives? I don't believe so. And I think that as our dogs are growing, they need the exercise. And I think that as puppies, we can still introduce them to the sport of canicross. Whether or not you have the budget to buy harnesses that your dog's going to grow out of, I think there is value in putting a harness on your dog as they're growing. I'm not saying you're going to attach them <laughs> to a line and start running with them or allowing them to pull, but I think getting them used to wearing the harness and even getting them used to having a little bit of tension on the harness while you play with them in your living room or in the yard is a good thing. And as your dog grows, that harness is going to be something they don't even think about. It's just going to be part of their daily life, maybe their daily routine. The other thing you want to keep in mind is volume of exercise, right? And progressive overload, if you will. Um, you don't want to do too much too soon because animals can get injured. So once you pass that phase of of growth, once the epiphyseal plates or growth plates rather uh, close, you can start kind of picking up the intensity of the exercise, if you will. Now, again, like people, if you've ever done a training program for, you know, running a 5k, like a couch to 5k or a 10 or half or full marathon, you know that the first few workouts and exercise weeks are going to be kind of lower impact, lower intensity, and then you kind of build up. And furthermore, if you are having a high intensity week, eventually that training block is going to peter off and then you're going to go into longer endurance runs. So, you know, typical workout week, if you're running, you're going to have, you're going to have a few short, higher intensity runs, and then you're going to have your, you know, 
your quote unquote typical Sunday long run where you're running long and slow. And I think that type of training variance is important for dogs as well. But I also think that we need to make sure we're doing this safely with their dogs. And I think you would all agree that, that doing it safely with their dogs is the most important. So as much as it is easy to get up and run, um, if you don't have prior experience with with running yourself or doing any sort of exercise programs, um, best to do some research or seek out some advice from somebody who has that background. I will put up a link to a good friend of mine who's also a coach and has actually provided um, Canacross training programs for runners of previous races that we've hosted. His name is Alex Maycock and a very knowledgeable guy. He's finishing up his master's and I think he's going to be entering his uh, PhD portion of his education shortly. Um, so a smart guy. He is an elite level athlete, cross-country skier, actually has represented Canada in the FISU games. So the guy knows what he's talking about and you're in good hands with him. And I'll, I will definitely put those, uh, put his link up so you can get in touch with him if you have any questions. Uh, I definitely uh, reach out to him. He's a guy I go to for questions as well. So, but like all things, we want to be we want to be safe. We want to be gradual, and we don't want to do too much too soon, too fast. The other factor here, when we're we're talking canicross, is you know how your body feels. You know if you need to have a light day or a rest day. Don't really know how our dog is feeling. They can't tell us nine times out of ten if they're not injured. They're not gonna, you know oh, my back hurts, or oh, my hips hurt, we're not going to know, right? Our dogs are just going to be happy and they're going to want to go despite what it might do to them. So be a good steward for your dog and make sure that when you're out there, you're not running, you know, 10 kilometers right off the bat if they've never run before. Start at slower distances, go at easier paces, and and enjoy the process. And uh, yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff we can talk about here when it comes to training and and stuff like that. But going back to the original point here was, uh, you know, strenuous exercise is not a good idea when the when the growth plates have not closed. And I think that's that's smart. It's, and I would also say just from from observation, um, going for a, you know, steady state jog or run on grass with your dog is probably less risky than throwing a frisbee or a ball where they're going to be um, planting and pivoting and turning. Um, There's a lot of movement there and a lot of different forces at different angles on the joints, which are probably higher risk for causing injury than, you know, a jog down the grassy field, right? So we've got to think about all those things. And even the type of surface we're running on, sometimes even myself, I can't get out to to a trail or, or to a grassy area or anything. So I have to go out on the sidewalk and um, I do my best to hit the, uh, there are certain gravel trails or stone trails rather, crushed stone trails in town. And I try to hit those as often as we can to limit the amount of time we're on the sidewalk. And those those runs are, are shorter than, than head out to a trail. So a lot of factors to, to think about, but uh, I know that we are all thinking about those things together. So let's get into the tips for running with your dog here. Uh, tip number one, start with low impact. <laughs> here we go. Doing too much too soon is a recipe for disaster and will increase your dog's risk of injury. Start out alternating walking and jogging for short distances. Gradually build endurance before you increase 
speed and distance. So there we go. Building endurance is slow, steady state, conversational pace. When you're dealing with speed, you're dealing with higher intensity. You're probably not going to be able to do it for very long. And you're probably not going to be able to keep a conversation at that level of intensity. And then distance again, you're going to slowly gradually build that up. Um, Tip number two, walk before you run. Like humans, dogs need to warm up their muscles before running. Let your dog nose around and explore for a bit. Besides warming him up, this will give him time to go to the bathroom. Better to eliminate now than on the trail. I think I have that written down in one of our sign-up pages. uh, Probably for the Trails and Tales Classic. (laughs) Remember to bring along plastic bags in case he does need to go while you're running. I've run many times with poop bags in my hand. I do know where all the public garbage cans are in town. So when that happens, I head over there. (laughs) Find a good path. Scout jogging trails in your area or survey your neighborhood streets. Look for well-lit, low-traffic areas with surfaces that allow good traction. Running on dirt trails or grass will be easier on your dog's joints than concrete. They don't have the benefit of wearing nice cushy running shoes like we do, right? So, And your dog will enjoy a nature trail that presents him with a variety of sights and smells. But neighborhood jogs are good too. Just monitor traffic and distractions like kids on bikes or neighborhood dogs. And I'm really surprised it didn't mention squirrels. Seriously? Squirrels. Watch out for squirrels. I guess you can't, you know, can't. Uh, there's one house in my in my neighborhood that has feeders on their front lawn and birds and squirrels all the time. And I try to avoid that house, but it's on one of my favorite routes. So what can you do? Don't pick up hitchhikers. I think I know what they're talking about here. Both nature trails and neighborhood sidewalks can be laden with ticks and fleas that love to take a jog with you and your dog. When in a wooded area, check your dog after the run for hitchhiking fleas and ticks. Look around the ears, between the toes, and over the tail. To prevent these pests, ask your vet to recommend an appropriate preventative medication. Your vet knows which parasites live in your area and can prescribe the best product. Leash your dog. Very important. I will say at the Snowy Paw, we had, it was a public trail, so there were people uh, using it that weren't part of the race, and we did have an incident where there was an unleashed dog. Uh, Ended up uh, calling the the people who run Island Lake and they were able to get that situation under control. So we always have to be prepared for those things, right? Uh, they recommend using a four to six foot leash that will allow long enough freedom of movement for your dog and enough control for you. Your dog should stay by your side as you run. Nay, nay, we're canacrossers. Our dogs don't do that. <laughs> with his nose, even with your knees, your arms should be straight down, not stretched out in front. Hey, we need to tell this VCA that we run hands-free, right? Anyways, it's not a canacross article. It's just a running with your dog article. So I'm going to add my commentary where I will. (laughs) Um, But one thing I will say, um, regardless of how well my dogs are doing on a run, if I see another person or distraction, I try to put space between us. And if I'm in a situation where space is impossible, I'll grab their line and I'll pull them in close to me. And uh, we'll just, we'll, well, I'll have them sit beside me and I'll wait for those people to leave, whether they're, you know, it's little kids or another dog or something like that. Um, just because, like, I know what my dogs will do and, you know, they may they may respond and go after, not, not aggressively, but want to go sniff or say hi, and I don't want that. So, um, for the most part, we've worked out those kinks with our training over the years. However, you don't know what the other dog's going to do either, right? So it's best to just kind of put that space between you. But always be prepared to grab your line and pull your dog in, right? And then just 
get control of them and remove yourself from the situation as fast as you can. Just reduces the chaos and anxiety for everybody. Tip number six, train your dog with voice commands. One benefit of running with your dog is exposing him to new things, but you must be in complete control at all times, even if your dog is off leash. Basic obedience training is important. Your dog should sit and stand request. This is really crucial when running on paths where he will encounter other people and pets. Another good command is leave it. Luna, I'm pretty sure her name is Luna Leave It, but <laughs> that's what I usually call her. This comes in handy when your pooch approaches icky stuff like garbage or mud puddles. Luna Leave It. That's all I gotta say there. Stay hydrated, but don't overhydrate, and this goes for you and your dog. Running will make you and your dog thirsty, so be prepared to offer him water, but only water. Your sports drink is not formulated for your dog's electrolyte needs. Carry a collapsible water bowl or a bottle with a special spout so your dog can drink easily. Don't let him gulp water. Overindulging can make your pooch sick, so offer small sips. And, and that's that's important, right? Um, you don't want your dog to get bloat, right? That can be pretty dangerous. And we want to have a, a good amount of time between feeding and then doing activity with our dogs as well. So, you know, don't give them their, their breakfast and go out for your morning run. Uh, oftentimes, I'll run in the morning just a short, a short run, like, you know, two or three kilometers. So we're gone for less than 20 minutes and I'll do it before I eat and before the dogs eat. And it's a great way to start the day and uh, come home and then, and then they eat, right? And they're happy, happy, happy. Beware of overheating. This is important for all of us, especially in the warmer months, like February. <laughs> dogs overheat more easily than humans since they wear heavy fur coats and don't perspire. They dissipate heat through respiration and via their foot pads, but neither function is as good as plain old sweating. So it's important for you to monitor your dog's heat tolerance. Watch for early signs of heat stroke like excessive panting and seek immediate medical attention if your dog becomes weak, vomits, or has diarrhea. Better yet, run in the morning and evening to avoid midday sun and look for shaded jogging paths. And these strategies are so important, especially in the spring and summer. You know, on those stupid, crazy, humid days, we're not running at all. Um... But when, when the weather starts getting nicer, absolutely, it's it's better to run out in the morning. Personally, I find that things are still too busy in the morning when there's school and stuff going on. So I wait for the sun to go down. So a lot of times I'll take my dogs out at 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. Nobody's out. It's dark. The, the sidewalk's cool because the sun's not beating down on it. And it's absolutely perfect. And yeah, you also want to watch out for your heat tolerance. I think that's a really good point. Like most things, we have to acclimatize when the weather changes. If, if you're like me, it takes you about three to four good weeks of cold weather to kind of finally get used to it. Whereas I can have one nice warm sunny day and boom, I'm good. But then I'm no good for the cold weather once it comes back. And that's what this winter has been like. But so as the weather starts to get better in the upcoming weeks, which is really exciting to say, by the way, I think, you know, you want to slowly... Um, Get your dog out there in the warmer temperatures. And again, if you're going to do Canacross in those warm months, stick to the morning, stick to the evenings, and um, keep it short. My, my strategy when we're running through the summer months is morning, evening, and we keep it short, and I take breaks. And if we are out and the sun's starting to come out, um, I make sure that we find a shady area, stop under the tree, and we take a break. Generally, I have my kids with me, so it's at a park somewhere, and they, they play around. I'll let the dogs rest, and then we carry on our way. And we're still getting our activity. We're still kind of keeping our endurance base, if you will, or our training base. 
Um, so when the weather starts to cool off later in the year, uh, we're not starting from scratch. So I think it's a, it's a great compromise and uh, always, always, always bring water with you. I know they talked about collapsible water bowls and whatnot. I just have a nice handheld running water uh, bottle that I share with my dogs. So they, I give them a sip, I take a sip, everybody's happy. Uh, protect your tootsies or the tootsies we have shoes so avoiding running on really hot surfaces like asphalt concrete or even sandy beaches uh, to determine if the temperature of your running path they keep saying jogging but my ego likes to say running so running path is safe for your dog's feet simply put your hand or bare foot on it for 10 seconds if it's too hot for you it's too hot for your dog beware of cold surfaces too as ice and snow can use can cause frostbite. Avoid roads that have been treated with salt, which can sting sensitive paws and upset your dog's stomach if he licks it off. Canine booties are available if you cannot avoid extremely hot or cold surfaces. Check your dog's paws after exercising and note any cuts or bruises. And lastly, here in this article from VCA Animal Hospitals, cool down slowly, just like warming up, cooling down is important. Avoid a vigorous run, sorry, after a vigorous run, walk the last measure to cool down tired muscles. Give your dog time to explore and go to the bathroom before bringing him back inside. Tips aren't that complicated, which makes your dog a very low-maintenance exercise partner. So have fun and run. Uh, hopefully there was something in that article that uh, you know made you think or something you hadn't heard of before. So... Uh, I hope you enjoyed that and uh, we'll be kind of ending things here. Uh, before we do go, I do want to mention the Canadian Canacross Sports Club. I'm happy to report that we have a London uh, chapter now. So Canadian Canacross Sports Club London, uh, which is great. It's, it's led by Jonah Melville and his dog Rex. And essentially what it is, if you've been to a Canadian Canacross Sports race, you're on the Canadian Canacross Sports Facebook page. Um, if you're the type of person who likes to take the lead on something and you're in an area where you would be willing to organize group runs or get-togethers where, where you guys can do some group can-across runs and whatnot, um, we just want to connect people in their areas. So we've got one in London now. The other thing too, and this is, this is optional, but I think it's a great way to kind of help keep you motivated. Uh, we do have a membership that, that you can sign up for and it puts you into our uh, titling program so you get a sheet to log your can across miles and then they'll they'll go towards a certificate uh, at the end of the year this last year uh, we handed out a couple of those to to our members and they got recognition for all the hard work that they did so just something to keep you kind of accountable and motivated and you know we're always looking for uh, great ideas and great people so if you're in an area, this this province of Ontario is huge, or even if you're you're in another province in Canada, this is a great way to kind of get connected. Uh, if you're interested in something like that, uh, just let me know, and uh, I will put you in touch with people in your area if I know any, and uh, we'll go from there. So let me know. Also, the uh, the membership gets you discounts to every single Canadian Canacross sports event, uh, both in person. And virtual um, and you'll get a membership card in the mail and your membership number will be your discount code for each event so it's unique to you and your dog um, which I which I think which I think is pretty good I try to give you some tangible um, things for that as well that is the Canadian Canacross Sports Club and uh, I said if you're interested if you want some more information 
Um, just hit me up on social media if you want at Instagram or Facebook or just email me at CanadianCanacrossSports at gmail.com. And if you'd like to chat with me about Canacross and be a guest on the show, also just send me an email. Let me know um, what you'd like to talk about and uh, we can go from there. I'm happy to have you on the show. So with that being said, I want everybody to have a great day. And next time you're out there, make sure you haul some tail. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to help support the show and help grow the sport of Canacross, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Canadian Canacross Sports. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email us at CanadianCanacrossSports at gmail.com or you can leave us a DM on Instagram. Talk to you next time. Haul some tail. <laughs>